Hi everyone and welcome again to another episode of the Effective Teaching Podcast where I provide you with actionable strategies that you can apply to your teaching and learning to enhance student learning and transform them into lifelong learners. I'm Dan Jackson and this week I want to discuss critical feedback and revision. But before we get started, if you want to watch this episode, so I'm recording this on video as well, or get the transcript, please go to teacherspd.net slash 38, and you'll be able to access everything that relates to this episode. So critical feedback and revision is something we do not do often enough with our students. We do not allow enough time for them to get feedback, revise their work, especially if it's an assessment task. And I know we like to think that we do because we often tell them to submit a draft to us maybe one week before it's due. But if we're really honest, less than probably 10% of your students actually give you that draft unless you have an extension class or you're in a selective school. Even then, though, you're not getting 100% of your students giving you that draft. And so today I'm going to talk to you about ways that you can get students to do drafts without them having, where you're going to get pretty much 100% of them doing it. So in my recent readings and studyings and working on creating a project-based learning unit, within this process, I really found that I love what they do to provide students with feedback that they should then action. And it's all tied up with this idea of having a public audience, or at least some kind of audience that's beyond you as the teacher. So often in PBL, there are two or three rounds of feedback and revision uh, because it follows the design process where revision really occurs multiple times. In fact, it occurs all the time as any kind of feedback comes in. Once you create your prototype, you test it, you get feedback, you then adjust it, you get testing again, you get more feedback. And that's really what this process is about. You're creating things, whether that be an essay or whether that be, you know, table or a chair or something you're creating something that you're going to get feedback from other people on and you need to create it to get the feedback so you then adjust it and remake it so for the classroom what this means is that feedback comes from multiple sources and so i'll give you a few examples of how you might choose to get some feedback some external feedback for your students this week so number one you could ask another class or a group from another class of just some kind of group of students that could provide feedback using some kind of criteria or maybe even by answering questions that the students who are going to receive the feedback have asked them to respond to. Uh, So that's one way to get some feedback. Another is to have some kind of mentor, just a single adult that's external to the teacher. It could be another teacher, it could be an expert in the field, but just has to be an adult somewhere who can come in and provide some feedback using the criteria again, or maybe again, using specific examples that the student who created this product, whether it be an essay or anything else, what they've created, they want feedback on that. So maybe they will ask questions that tell the person providing the feedback what they want feedback on. And so they're just gonna answer a bunch of questions for them really. Finally, you can also have a wider audience where you're kind of putting things up publicly on mass where multiple people can really come and provide feedback to the student around this work now depending on the age of your student you might want to think about this differently in terms of how you go about sharing it who shares it 
and the kind of comments that might come in, you know, think through if you're going to maybe post on social media, for example, you might get a whole bunch of really nice ones, but you might get a bunch of really negative comments as well. So just think about where you're going to post it and who's going to access that and who you think are actually going to be the best people for providing feedback is also really important when you're doing this kind of stuff. So throughout this whole process, the teacher also has the chance to provide feedback, right? Because every time that a mentor comes in or you have another group of students who are evaluating and providing feedback on a completed product or at least a draft product, you also as a teacher have that chance to have a look at it and provide feedback as well. And so you're getting multiple chances as a teacher to provide feedback on what is essentially a complete product that you then get to revise and improved. So for example, you could have students write an essay on a specific novel and then share this essay with three students from another class who then provide feedback and they might answer questions such as, what did you learn from the essay? Uh, was there something you wondered because of the essay? And were there any sections that were difficult to understand? That might be three simple questions that they're going to get feedback on from another student. The student could then revise the essay and publish it on the web or share it into a group on social media where people are familiar with the novel already and then they can, can then provide further insights. And so they might answer questions such as, you know, what perspective did this essay not consider? Or is there evidence that you know of that would further strengthen or perhaps be used to argue against this essay that weren't considered in the essay? And then you're going to have this kind of chat that happens on the student's work to provide them with really good feedback to help them to improve their essay. Now, if you set dates for these types of public feedback sessions, students tend to get the draft done and ready because otherwise it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing for you to try and put up something that's not really quite finished and have other people, whether it be other students, another teacher, or whether it be a public audience, it's embarrassing if it's not actually at, a, at least a semi-decent quality. And so students tend to get things ready for that due date. There's also a sense of pride in this and the removal of a place to hide. Now, I know for some students that'll be very scary uh, but when we're looking at preparing our students for the future, generally speaking, you want to push those students to kind of feel that sense of pride and that sense of risk. But you want to manage that risk and make sure that it's not necessarily you know, this huge risk where they're going to get slammed. You want to make sure you manage that risk well, but still try and push them into that area to extend them and grow them as people as they're getting ready for adulthood uh, or as they're getting ready to shifting into high school, whatever age your students are at this point. Uh, but there's also a sense that what they are creating is really not just for them, it's also not just for you. And that's probably the, one of the biggest things I think that happens with schools is that students produce all this work, but it's only ever for the teacher. The only person who actually cares about the work is the teacher. Uh, sometimes the student will care as well, depending on if it aligns with things they're interested in, but generally that's it. And so what's the kind of point to doing a really good job if the only people who care are the teacher, that maybe the student, and well, let's be honest, probably the parents too, right? Well, parents will probably get in there and care that the kid got a good mark or didn't get a good mark, but they don't necessarily care about the quality of the product or what the product was, right? So having this authentic audience causes this shift in the sense of in this mindset of thinking where the work that's been created is actually now not just for you it's not just for the teacher it's not just for their parents it's actually now for a real wide audience a real group of people that will provide feedback to them and that might be critical uh, but also could be very positive in their comments and so 
that really opens up a chance for your students to take a bit more ownership and to produce something better as their draft than what they would normally create for you as the teacher. So whenever you're doing feedback like this, um, having some sort of criteria is really important or at least having some pre-arranged questions because it will just help to guide the feedback. Uh, even just saying that you know, the feedback has to be specific, helpful and positive is, would be great because then you're going to have more people actually giving that kind of feedback rather than feedback that's just whatever they feel like saying. Uh, and that will also then improve the results and the student's willingness to then revise the product. The student is the one who's come up with the questions that they're going to get answered as their feedback. Then they're more likely to action the answers that they get because they're the bits that they wanted to improve. And you can probably guide them in that as they try and write those questions, but it's something that could really be helpful. Now, to help with this process, I want to refer to a book that I've been reading. It's called The New One Minute Manager. Now, there are three aspects of this one minute manager, uh, each of which takes one minute, right? So that's why they're called the one minute manager. But one of these is called a one minute redirect, which is essentially giving feedback. But a one minute redirect is when a manager, or in our cases, anyone providing feedback, specifically a, a teacher or a public audience, uh, and I'll, I really like this approach because first what they need to do is they mention what they can observe. Okay, so it's not just how they feel or what they think, it's what they observe about the product or whether that be an essay or uh, yeah, a creative piece of dance or editing a video or something, whatever it is, right? They comment about what they observe and then they relate this observation to the learning goal or to the, the objectives, to the criteria maybe, but uh, they're really relating it. So I, I like to relate it to the learning goal. What are they actually looking to achieve with what they're producing? And so what do I observe in relation to that goal, right? So once I've got that, uh, and specifically, this is gonna be great for students to set the goal, uh, you then want the person providing feedback and the student who's receiving it to kind of sit down and work together to redirect their efforts uh, and to help them to find out what they need to do to achieve the goal. And so you're providing specific things. So you might observe that an essay is not overly persuasive, right? Uh, and so they set out to achieve this great persuasive essay, but you observe it is not very persuasive. But then when you get down to working with the student to identify what they need to put their efforts into to improve this is really important. I think it's actually more important than just saying that, you know, this lacks persuasion, you need to add some of that in there. So that causes the feedback to then become future-based. So it's future-focused feedback so what you're going to provide as the next steps really can be used for any essay. So you might talk about the need for more evidence in their essay. Uh, are they actually referencing things really well? Or maybe all she needs to do is to change the modality of her writing so that it is stronger in the argument that's being uh, presented. And so giving that kind of specific feedback actually helps them in any essay that they write. They want to make sure they've got more evidence. They want to make sure that they're using strong modality language so that they're making their point and making it strongly. Um, and so you, that feedback is, you know, it's based on what they observe in relation to the goal and then being specific in terms of what they might do to get to that goal and working together to do that. Now, one thing that you might note here is that this process requires that there is a learning goal or that there's criteria, right? There needs to be something that the student is working towards and some kind of thing that tells you that what they're working towards, what that's meant to look like, what it is meant to be like. And so having the goal 
or having an exemplar or having some criteria really helps at this point to make sure that what's happening, what's going to happen in terms of the actions from the feedback can lead towards achieving that. So uh, you are comparing where the product is with your this feedback to where it needs to be and then finding out a way to get there, right? So notice this is a bit of a shift from where the student is at and where they need to be. It focuses on the work that's being produced and where it is and where it needs to get to. Now, the end of the one-minute redirect, which I think is really good, always ends with a positive, okay? So there's no, the negative comes at the beginning. This, what you made is not quite as good as what we're after. So this is what we can do to fix that, right? But then you end with a positive and the positive basically is always about telling the student that you actually believe or that you know that the student is better than what they've actually produced. You know that they've got the skills, you know they've got the knowledge, you know they've got the attitude, the drive to actually achieve the goal and you know that you're going to you know, you're going to help them and they're going to get to that. And so that sense of you know, what you've produced so far isn't quite there, but I know you've got this, I know you can do this, let's get together and, and let's make sure that you get there, right? That then becomes something that's a lot more positive in the sense of students wanting to become actionable in receiving that feedback and improving what they do. Now, if I come back to my project-based learning approach, with multiple opportunities for feedback, each of these opportunities is also spaced out. So spacing them out is done on purpose so that the students actually get a chance to action their feedback, to revise their work and make sure that it's ready for the next lot of feedback. So I think probably about a one-week spacing is really good because it's not so far off that the students just kind of put off any actions, but it's not so close that it's going to be impossible for them to actually make any improvements before the next lot of feedback. So about a week gives them you know, a good chunk of time to be able to put in a decent amount of work to fix up what they've produced, but it also is not so close that they're not going to have a chance to improve it uh, in time. So about a one week for them to action it. Now, often I hear teachers provide feedback to their students and they just expect the student to act on it on their own time, which rarely happens, right? If I provide feedback to a student and go, here, you've done really great work or you need to fix this and this and this and then give it to them and then there's nothing else and I just expect they're going to do that, I know that's not going to happen. Okay, my student's not going to fix that up. Whereas if you set aside time in your learning schedule and if you do this at the very beginning, when you're actually creating a schedule, you go, okay, this is where feedback's going to happen so I need to make sure I schedule in time for them to revise their product to improve it before the next lot of feedback and then before the big showcase or whatever whatever you're doing with your students to make sure that what they're producing is not just for you, right? Or what you're doing to make sure that they're getting feedback and then getting that time to improve it. And actioning feedback can actually be really hard. It's often when students need the teachers the most because it's the one, it can be really hard to think through and get that deeper level of learning going on. So if you allow time in the class for this, it means you're available, the student can ask you all the questions uh, and you're not just throwing them out into a sink or swim situation. So if I just gave them the feedback and said, off you go, see how you, how you go at getting that done and there's no support around that, they might be a well-off kid who's got really great parents at home who are going to help them and they can action it and achieve it. But those students who don't have the support at home or who don't know how to action this, they're going to sink. They're going to swim and they'll give up and they're not going to see themselves as those lifelong learners. You want to set them up for success, but also make sure that success means something by having it be challenging to get to that success. So this week, 
I want you to find a way that you can book in some external feedback for your students and include at least one lesson after the feedback where they can action it. It can be as simple as asking a different teacher to have a look at the work your students are doing or putting it up online and asking your professional learning network to help them out and provide some feedback. That way you know know, if it's your professional learning network, it's likely to be teachers who are going to help provide you. It's not going to be someone smashing the kid. Uh, There are some great platforms for this type of feedback to happen. So things like Padlet or Flipgrid or even a social media post that you post maybe specifically into a group. So maybe into your Teachers Association's Facebook group where you might get some nice feedback from teachers there. Uh, I wouldn't be posting it, for example, though, into the HSC discussion forum where all the kids will just bag it out and do whatever they want to it. So whatever you come up with, set aside the time afterwards, though, so that students can benefit from some critical feedback and then do the revision. And my final word of advice here is if you are going to go public, if you're going to do this on social media or just on a um, on a website or something, even if it's Flipgrid or anything like that, you want to make sure that you can go through the feedback before your student does. You want to make sure that you can actually filter that out. So if you post it into the groups, for example, where they don't have access, you can see all the comments. You then pull out the comments that are relevant for them, delete all the other ones and share with your student the feedback that actually is going to be beneficial to them. So you want to make sure if it's going to go public, try and make sure that you can actually filter out the kind of feedback that they're going to be getting because you want the feedback to be specific, helpful, and kind, not just critical. Okay, well, thanks again for listening. I would love to hear what you are doing in this space in terms of getting great feedback for your students and providing time for them to revise it Uh, And, you know, you could do this where you have public audience coming once or twice before they actually submit their their assignment to you. And so they're going to have this draft that gets feedback on twice and you can provide that feedback as well as they're doing that. And you actually tend to get, I find, you get to provide the feedback to them before. So you might provide feedback before their mentor then comes and gives them feedback. Uh, So because they might want to actually make sure it's at the particular level of quality before their mentor sees it. Uh, So, yeah, I would love to hear what you're doing how you come up with these kinds of ideas, head over to teachspd.net slash 38 and let me know what you have done this week to help your students to get feedback and have time to revise their work. I look forward to seeing you next week.